Oklahoma, Texas. We got to talk about it. Ohio State came from behind to get a much-needed victory and in a fight between, well, a farmer and a whole tide, take the tide. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to talk about taking a bear against a cougar. We got to talk about taking a whole tide against some farmers from College Station. And we got to talk about Ohio State coming back from 17-10 to get a demonstrative victory at home. But first, you know what time it is. You know what time it is. You know what I'm saying? All right. So, first of all, it's called the Red River Shootout. That means the river runs red. You thought it was going to be different? Try to tell y'all. Look, look here, look here. Oklahoma ain't played nobody. That's what they told us. That's what they said. We ain't played nobody. SMU ain't nobody. Tulsa ain't nobody. Arkansas State ain't nobody. Cincinnati ain't nobody. But you know what? OU Texas, we were going to get what was coming to us. Remember? Because, you know, Texas went into Tuscaloosa, beat the number three team in the country, got the W feeling themselves, running fake punts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Brooks out there just running. Hey, Texas had a 300-yard passer, a 300-yard rusher, a 100-yard receiver, an outstanding defense. And yet it's Oklahoma 34 to 30. Now, now, among these things, right? Learned a lot in this game about Oklahoma, but not the least of which is if you hear me saying don't mind Oklahoma, you know what I mean. I got people that was listening to the preview last week talking about you picked Texas. Yeah, I did. Did you hear me when I picked Texas? I got homies. Brad Penny reached out to me earlier today going, ARJ, what's it going to take for Oklahoma to get a W here? I said they need two more turnovers than Texas to win, which is about what we got because Oklahoma got two interceptions of Quinn Ewers and forced that fumble out of him. That's three turnovers from Quinn Ewers. That's 12 interceptions in the last three games. Oklahoma defense came to play, but it's really that dude at quarterback that has, my goodness, this play to win it is one thing. Cap it off, Nick Anderson, who is immortal now, always coming on, basically since the Tulsa game has decided to be a touchdown machine. But you're thinking, Oklahoma leads this game by 10 in the third quarter, 27 to 17, and everything's going fine until they start to sputter. And Texas starts to pick up some momentum. You get the missed field goal from Zach Schmidt. You get Matauer going down with the injury. I hope to see him again this season. It's not looking good. You're getting to see Oklahoma finally starting to show a little crack, a little weakness. Jonathan Brooks getting anything he wants. Adonai Mitchell, Jatavion Sanders, they out there doing the damn thing. Then Texas, they get there. They take a lead. But they left this offense too much time on the clock. And in winning time, I got to see the Dylan Gabriel that we all expected to see last year. In winning time, I got to see Dylan Gabriel needing to go get us some points. We needed three. He said, I'm going to go get you six. And I'm going to do it in the game that matters the most to Oklahoma fans. And I'm going to do it as the clock is still running. 
didn't spike the football before the goal line, took his time, let the route develop, and found Nick, Nick Anderson in the corner of an end zone to win it. Now, Oklahoma is 6-0 a year after going 6-7. and We're going to do my top 25 tomorrow, but I would not be shocked to tell you that Oklahoma is very much in the driver's seat for the Big 12, which means they're very much in the driver's seat for a college football playoff spot. You saw it. This game was acting like a college football playoff play-in game. Those were the stakes. Biggest game for OU or Texas at OU Texas since 2008 when those two teams were playing for a spot in the national championship. Now, this is not to say Texas ain't a good football team. It's a great football team. It's an outstanding football team with outstanding coaches. Who can hold this L, right? Because Oklahoma, after getting this one, you got to expect them to be marching toward that playoff spot. But when 08, the thing to remember is Oklahoma lost that game to Texas. And then Texas had to watch Oklahoma play in the BCS title game. Now, we got the playoff now. We got human beings making these decisions as opposed to a computer a computer and its arithmetic. But you get my point here. You got to keep it going. But if you hear Oklahoma fans talking to y'all Texas fans, like Jordan Poole was talking to Draymond Green, calling him an expensive backpack for 30, you know why we on your head. We know You, you, you know why we on your head. Okay? Okay? And we on your head because you were giving it up, baby. Dylan Gabriel was 285 through the air, two TDs, 113 yards on the ground. My goodness, running through the Texas defense like jalapeno lace chili. Operating against the Texas defense like John Wick in the Continental. Jaleel Farouk out there making plays, baby. Great stoops making plays, baby. And let me let me back up here. And again, genuflect to the defense, because if you're an Oklahoma fan, this is the kind of defensive performance that you wanted. Yes, they gave up 30, but they gave up 30 to one of the best teams in the country after giving up 30 on average last year. Outstanding play from Danny Stutzman. Outstanding play from Rondell Bothroyd. And you know what? With their back against the wall and Oklahoma backed up as Texas got four down, punch it in. You know what we saw? We got to see the defense that we have known to be synonymous with Brent Venables for damn near 25 years. Those boys did not let Texas pass. Gandalf at the goal line. Trying to tell y'all. Look here, Gentry Williams. He a Tulsa boy, and them Tulsa boys absolutely smacked, right? Had that pick. But the other thing to remember here is Billy Bowman's played out of his mind. And the true freshman, Peyton Bowen. Holy smokes. Out there like the wrath of Brandon Everidge with the stick, baby. And remember, he's had two blocked punts this year. But you know what? Texas blocked a punt. We thought we was in it. And then they said no. I'm getting text messages going, hey, Oklahoma looks pretty good. I'm saying don't talk to me. And, and you know what? I'm speaking for Texas fans who also said, I said don't talk to me. Because this game gets under your skin if you are neutral. Imagine what it's like to be the fan of either one of those teams. Because you really want to win, but it's more about the relief of winning. Because you understand the losing's really just going to suck so much more. So much of the season is defined by this game. Not just by who wins it, but what go happens going on. Like, Oklahoma's going into a bye week this week. 
You know how hard it would be to go into a bye week after taking a loss in this game, in this atmosphere, with these stakes? I don't know how Texas is going to come back. But you know what? I expect them to. For those that are predicting a rematch on December 2nd, it's really difficult not to. Now, Kansas took an L to Texas, and Oklahoma still got to get past Kansas. But my goodness, it feels like these two teams are the class of the Big 12 right now. And because the SEC is not as dominant as it been in years past, because the Pac-12 is climbing, and because the Big 10, particularly the Big 10 East, is still the Big 10 East, you feel like there's a way for them in there, regardless of what Florida State might do in the ACC. But again, I guess got to point out, man, Oklahoma's defense being an immovable object. I just didn't see that. I don't think anybody saw that coming into this season. You know, I know the stats like you know the stats. And I had to hear people say offense is sus, RJ. The defense is okay, RJ. You played a soft schedule. You ain't played nobody. It's a cupcake schedule. You know who first taught me that it don't matter what your schedule matters, but like what's on your schedule? You know why I don't, I don't brook that one anymore? It's because I got burned by it last year. I said Michigan ain't played nobody, and they hadn't. You know what happened to Michigan? They ran through the Big Ten. They ran through the Big Ten like bad Taco Bell through your stomach. It doesn't matter. If you're good, you're good. But these games are the moments when you have to prove it. Like, it's not – it's one thing for Michigan to run through their schedule. It's another thing for them to beat Ohio State. It's one for, thing for Oklahoma to run through its schedule. It's another to beat the best Texas football team that anybody has seen since 2009 when they played Alabama for the national championship. But I learned so much about these guys. Not just guys we knew something about, like Danny Stutzman, who was probably a frontrunner to win the Butkus Award, but guys that hadn't played Oklahoma football before, guys like Jason McCullough, guys like Ron Dell Bothroyd, guys that you really got. Dylan Gabriel didn't get to play in this game last year. This was probably his last shot to be immortal in this game. And to see how infectious this game is for folks that are getting into it for the first time. Guys like Adonai Mitchell on the other side. Man, you got you to gotta get up for it. And for those dudes to show the kind of heart that they did in this game and that atmosphere means the world to Oklahoma fans and to Texas fans who are quitted very well. You have nothing to be ashamed of, Texas fans. That was a great football game. You just didn't come up with the win this time. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to be on your head, but respect to you. I'm also learning that Oklahoma has that thing or has that player that can really get it back to where it was in 2019. USC has a great player on a great team, Caleb Williams. We'll talk about Ohio State. They got a great player on a great team in Marvin Harrison Jr. But to see that Dylan Gabriel has become that guy for the Sooners, means the world, and not just because he's healthy this year, because, you know, Davis Bevel ain't back there by himself, the dude named Jackson Arnold that's going to let the SEC know what Oklahoma's about. But to understand that if he has the ball in winning time, we have a chance to win, and we can expect to win, that's all you can ask for from an Oklahoma offense. Again, man, I keep looking at this game, and I'm amazed by it. I hadn't been this fired up about OU Texas since 2021, frankly, right? when Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley were on the sideline. And it felt like it was going to take a little bit longer for Oklahoma to get back to this stage, to get back to this moment, let alone capitalize on it. And here we are, less than a year after six and seven, after losing to Florida State in the Cheez Bowl, could see a, a Florida State in the college football playoff if things keep going as they are. I'm not going to say 
that Texas can't win a national championship. Not going to do that. I am going to say that the Cinderella story is over. Tragic. But that Cinderella story is in a casket. All right? I told you if you came back here on Saturday night, I'm going to get my money right, and you're going to hear from me. Okay? Today was the day to pull out the 14-karat gold chain, the Eagle Scout ring, and the Boulevard. Okay? It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio listening to a Texas fan out there hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You talking to the Eagle Scout ring wearing, Boulevard wearing, gold chain wearing, kiss stealing, Wiggling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. And I'm having a hard time holding these horns down. You know what time it is. Oklahoma, baby. I'm here with it. Texas, get back. C come back. We'll see you 20 miles to the West of Cotton Bowl. Okay? At Jerry World for the belt. Okay? You, want, you, you can see us. But right now, we got our money right. And we rolling right now. Took about a year for Brent Venables to get this program back to where he believed it could be. Where it's one where the players are taking over the program and he is giving them the guidance that they need to go be great. For Jeff Levy to get that offense right, for Dylan Gabriel to get healthy. But it only took one half of football for Ohio State to remember, oh yeah, we are the Buckeyes because in the first half of their game, didn't look like it was going well. And I was very curious as to what Ryan Day would tell our Ginny Tab at the end of that game. Let's take a listen. It's really not a secret that you were not happy when we walked out together at that half. What was addressed in the locker room and how you guys finished this game in the second? Yeah, just not very happy with how we played in the first half, especially on offense. Um, and so we'll look at the reasons why. Certainly got ourselves off schedule, but... You know, the way we played in the second half is the way that Buckeye football is supposed to be played. I was really quite pleased with that answer that Ryan Day gave because it was sobering and it's what we all saw in their comeback from behind win 37-17 to against Maryland at the shoe. Now, let's start with the positives for Ohio State. 19-29 for 320 and two TDs from Kyle McCord. Outstanding passing game, especially in the second half. And the defense, again, is continuing to exceed our expectations for what Ohio State's defense can be. Looks like the best defense that they've had at Ohio State since 2019 when Chase Young was on the front of that defensive line. You had the pick six from Tulsa's own Josh Proctor. Stand up, baby. I know he went to Owasso. You ain't got to tell me that, but Owasso basically is Tulsa. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the same people say the stuff about Bixby. It's Tulsa. It's 918 on his back, along with that 41. Really grateful to see that he's still having an impact for them. Lathan Ransom made Maryland pay it. Also had a tremendous interception of Talia Tongavaloa in this game. But in the first half, Maryland showed why I ranked them in the top 25. You heard Joel saying it on the broadcast that they should be ranked. Well, I did rank them, Joel. I, I ranked them right there at 24. Don't know if they're going to be able to keep that spot going into Sunday with this loss, but it does speak volumes that Maryland was up 17 to 10 
in this game with 11.59 to play in the third quarter. And had the pick six not happened by Josh Proctor, we're looking at 17-3. Who knows what the complexion of the game would look like. Maybe it would have the same amount of melanin in his skin. But what they proved in Ohio State is we have a defense that's going to let the offense figure it out. And that's what they did in the second half. And the figure it out was, you know what? I'm Marvin Harrison Jr. and you don't. So that's where I'm going to go with the football, which feels like the most basic game plan ever, but it's not the one that they were using in the first half. So Marvin Harrison Jr. has 163 receiving yards and is responsible for more than half of Ohio State's passing yards and nearly half of their 382 total yards. Outstanding game for the uh, game for the Martians. I mean, we know what 1-8 is capable of, but to see him do it over and over and over again means that they're always going to be in this game. Now, they didn't have Trey Henderson. He was left out of this game because they wanted to give him another week to get healthy. You got Chip training back there. He rushed the ball 20 times, but he only got 61 yards. The offensive line at Ohio State just needs more work. Ryan Day is going to go through film. They're going to figure out what it was they were doing wrongly in the first half. But suffice it to say, it's a team that hasn't played its best football to date, even against Notre Dame, I would say so. And it's still a very dangerous football team. Now, they got some tougher opponents ahead of them, particularly Penn State and Michigan. But I'm going to be very curious as to see how AP voters take a look at this ranking tomorrow with this 37-17 to 17 win. Because, again, they covered the spread. The spread was 19.5, but it needed to score 27 points in the second half to do so. And only after you decided to stop Roman Hemby and them from running on you. Because it wasn't Talia Lohongabaloa that was really operating. Maryland was following the game plan I thought they needed to follow, which was run the ball well and play enough good defense. But Maryland's a good football team. It would not surprise me to find out they win 10 games this year and, and make it into a meaningful bowl game. If nothing else, they're right there on the cusp of being one of the great Big Ten teams, which is what they've been working toward. Huge day. For Ohio State to come out with the win, but even bigger for the steps from the Maryland program that was in a position where people would not have been shocked if they won this game. It's getting closer for them, and it's very interesting. Now, before I get out of there, I want to talk about Ohio State-Oklahoma before we go to our next game, Alabama-Texas A&M, because I want to ask this question. How does it affect my top 25 for Ohio State and Oklahoma? I think at the very least, you're looking at Inside the top 10 for certain, but no lower than nine, despite what anybody else might do the rest of the day. And we're going to talk about SC tomorrow. We're going to talk about Georgia and Kentucky tomorrow, Notre Dame and Louisville tomorrow. But I think that both of these games prove some things to me about what these teams are capable of. And both are capable of not just winning their conference championship, but winning a national championship because the top isn't really that dominant this year. Georgia's not dominant. Michigan is Michigan, but... It's the same Michigan that we watched lose to Texas Christian in the Fiesta Bowl last year. That's not dominant. Got a ways to go here. So I think we're closer inside of our top 10 than we have been in some time. Got to take it back quite a bit before I feel like we saw this sort of parody in our top 10 going into the halfway mark or the second act of our three-act season. First act being the first six games, second act being the next six games, and third act being the postseason. Is Ohio State and Oklahoma a national championship contender? Absolutely. I mean, you you won't have to forgive me, but we we at church here, and I'm trying to tell y'all to believe in both of those programs, and it would not shock anybody, probably please me more than most, to see Ohio State and Oklahoma in a national championship game. I'm not going to turn nothing down but my collar if that happens. I'm going to be here for it. 
know quite a bit about both of those teams, have so much respect for both of those staffs. And we know what Brent Venables versus Ryan Day kind of sort of looks like. And we'd be here for a meaningful national championship game between those two. All right. Now let's go from that to number 11, Alabama, beating, in air quotes, Texas A&M 26 to 20. I say beating in air quotes because at times it felt like which one of these teams wants to lose this game more? I mean, I counted nine false starts from the Alabama offensive line, which didn't do anything to help their run game. As a matter of fact, their run game was non-existent. We're talking about negative 13 rush yards in the first half for a Nick Saban Alabama offense. And this one is more egregious because he built this team to be a running team first. However, they showed they got some buck to them and some backbone because I got to see Jalen Milrow have the best game of his life at Alabama. 21 to 33, 321 yards, his first 300-yard passing performance, three TDs through the air, and one interception. Most of those <laughs> receiving yards, though, kind of like Kyle McCord to Marvin Harrison Jr., were Jalen Milrow to Jermaine Burton, who had himself a day, played like nine snaps last week in their game. This week, nine catches, 197 receiving yards, two TDs, one bad fumble that nearly lost them the game because that was the thing. I'm talking about Max Johnson taking a safety with an intentional grounding penalty that basically made the game, not basically, it did make the game a two-score game. All you had to do was cash in on any one of these gifts that Alabama was giving you. And the same is true for Texas A&M. I mean, I watched Ania Smith fumble the punt and then make a great punt return for the second week in a row because that's just what that dude does. Bama sacked Max Johnson four times in the first half. That defense is still scary as all hell. Malachi Moore was forced to miss the second half with a leg injury, but hope he's okay. But still, you got Caleb Downs back there making plays. Dallas Turner's outstanding. Deontay Lawson is outstanding. Kool-Aid McKinstry's outstanding. They are really good when they can give the offense a lead or when the offense can just basically get out of their way. But that's what it's going to be for Alabama right now because right now it feels like Alabama versus LSU for the SEC West Championship. And with LSU needing to score 49 to beat Missouri 49-39, to I can't call it, man. But it feels like either one of those teams is going to be in a great spot to play against what we think is going to be Georgia in the SEC Championship game. But, you know, knowing what Tennessee might do, what Florida has done, what Missouri might and Georgia might turn into, and certainly what Georgia and Kentucky is tonight, I'm not sure about that. And I haven't been not sure about Georgia playing the SEC championship game basically since 2016, right? That's how it feels. It's not always going that way because Florida, you know, it's Florida. But to know that you needed to survive a 26-20 game at Kyle Field against AM just to get the W is not a good vibe. That's not what anybody wants. And, and Nick Saban at one point was just absolutely losing his mind with the penalties. I believe they had 14 for over 100 yards. It's just not great football. And they're getting in their own way. All they got to do is be sound and clean. And to see an undisciplined and dirty football team, and as far as penalties are concerned, all this laundry on the floor that you just got to get cleaned up, it's uncharacteristic of what Nick Saban's program has been about. That said, they're still looking at just one loss this season, right? And it's to the Texas team that was previously ranked number three in the country. And since here on the number one college football show, we like transitive wins. I would be remiss if I did not remind you that Texas went into Tuscaloosa, beat the number three ranked Alabama Crimson Tide by 10 points, 34-24.
And then a few weeks later, walked into lower Oklahoma in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl and got handed a 34 to 30 L by my Oklahoma Sooners. Now, for those of y'all that already thought that Alabama lost to Texas was big and that Texas had the best win of anybody in the country, what are you going to say now? I would, li- I would like to hear it. What excuses are you going to make for the Sooners now? You know, because I said that Ohio State has the best win of anybody in the country going up against Notre Dame in South Bend and getting the W. But people are like, no, RJ, it's Texas over Alabama. You just don't want to say it because you don't like Texas. I like Texas fine when I lose in Oklahoma. I, I like them just fine. Texas is back to losing Oklahoma. But I would like to hear from you. Who has the best win in the country right now? Because if you were saying it was Texas over Alabama, you need to be saying it's Oklahoma over Texas, okay? That's what I'm going to leave it at. Of course, you can't agree with me and just say it's Ohio State over Notre Dame, but then that would mean you got to agree with me, and I know how much you don't like to agree with me. So let's go from number 11, Alabama, beating up on Texas A&M, 26 to 20, beating up, air quotes, to UCLA, UCLA, excuse me, beating number 13, Washington State, 25 to 17. Now, producer Tyler was kind enough to remind me, point this out, that UCLA was favored in this game. But I did not expect to see the kind of play that we saw from Washington State, which was abysmal offensively. I mean, we're talking about Wazoo having a pick six against Dante Moore, holding Dante Moore to 50% passing and still losing this game by eight points because they turned the ball over four times. Cam Ward completed just 47% of his passes. It was their Icarus game. And it turns out UCLA is not as bad as some people thought because they took that loss in Rice Eccles to Utah without Cam Rising, but it also could just turn out that the Pac-12 is just that deep. You know, knowing what Colorado is capable of and them probably being in the middle of the pack, you got to feel good if you're UCLA about getting this win against Washington State because it was not thought to be a hard game going into the season. It became a hard game when you're facing them undefeated and they got a 13 next to their name. Oregon State's also still a good football team. Oregon might be the class of the Pac-12. Washington will have something to say about that. SC will have something to say about that. You get my point here, right? The Pac-12, more than likely, is going to get its champion into the college football playoff, and that'll be the first time that has happened since 2016. Also reminds me that that last team that made it to the college football playoff out of the Pac-12 was coached by Chris Peterson, who now works at Fox, but more importantly, got to 54 wins in about the same amount of time that Ohio State uh, head coach Ryan Day got to 50 wins, excuse me, Got 50 wins in 54 games, right? Ohio State's coach, Ryan Day, got to 50 wins in 56 games. So either way, Pac-12 champion is probably going to see the Big Ten champ, who's going to be great. Might see the SEC champ, going to be great. Could see the Big 12 champ, going to be great. We'll see if Florida State can run the table. So we got particularly, I think there are about 12 teams right now that we could realistically look at as getting into the playoff. But you got to be ranked in the top 10 right now. If you're not ranked in the top 10 right now, the odds of you making it into the college football playoff are slim to none. We just don't see it that often. And the ones that we do see it are big brand teams. You know, you go back to Urban Meyer's Ohio State teams, right? You got to have that built-in leverage. And knowing what it seems like the selection committee thinks of the Big 12 last year with Texas Christian being able to lose that game to Kansas State, you could probably get Oklahoma into that game this year if they make it to the Big 12 championship and take a loss, but it'd be their first of the year because they got that built-in advantage. So a lot of football left to play. No national championships were won today, but bragging rights. Hey, Texas fans, answer your phone. Answer your phone. 
don't don't ignore don't ignore your Oklahoma fans. Show up to church. Show up to church. Take it. Because that 49-0. That was that y'all was on our head for a year, right? 49-0, worst loss in red rivalry history. 119 years we've been playing this game. Okay. Just saying. I want to see you at church. And I want to see you in your orange. And I want to see you shaking hands with people in red. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. We will be back live tomorrow right here for our top 25 reaction show, where I will also reveal to you my top 25 that you can read at foxsports.com overnight. Oh, my goodness. What a spectacular day. Our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Such an assistant. Kiara Santana puts a special in our special teams. Social producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we bake. We got Niles Owens sending in the signals as our technical director. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sidelines and the play snaps on my clap. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Till then, stay low. Keep those feet driving. Doses.